Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, I'm so thankful that, God, you have given us access into the throne room of grace. I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, that you have saved us by your precious blood, Lord, and that because of that blood, our sins are gone, Lord, and nothing greater can be said, Lord God, about any of us than to know that we are redeemed, that we are blood-bought, that our sins have been forgiven, Lord, and we thank you that, God, we can come to you with every single need uh, that we have, Lord. God, you, first of all, we bring our lost loved ones before you, Lord. Each and every one of us have, have family that do not know you, Lord. But, God, we call their names out to you, Lord, on a daily basis. God, we plead the blood of Jesus over them. And, Lord, we ask that, God, your hand of grace would touch them. Lord, that, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. And, God, we're believing and asking, Lord, for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to grab a hold of their heart, to grip their heart, Lord. And that, God, we are truly believing that the prodigals are coming home. We truly believe that we hear the sounds of hearts returning to you, Lord. I know, God, what it looks like. And for many of us, we have prayed only you know how many times. Lord, we have shed tears only you know how many. But God, we believe that all of those prayers, Lord, have not been in vain. All of those tears that have been shed have not been in vain. But God, you are going to meet that need. Lord, you're going to answer that request. Lord, you're going to save those souls, Lord. And we believe that a harvest of souls is coming in in these last days now more than ever before, Lord. You said you would bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Lord. And we stake claim on that tonight, Lord. We believe that they're going to come in, Lord. That Satan has had his clutches upon them for far too long. But Lord, you're getting ready to do a work that only you could do. Lord, you told us in your word, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit, Lord. And God, we are going to sit back, Lord, proclaim the gospel and watch your Holy Spirit that has promised to draw all men if we would lift you up, Lord. Bring them into the fold, Lord. God, we claim it and we give you praise in advance, yeah. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that are sick in their body, God, we just ask that you would touch their bodies right now, God. It doesn't matter whatever the ailment is, Lord, whatever the disease is. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis that the doctor has given, Lord. The doctor has given many uh, reports, Lord, to, to man that, that says there's no hope. But, Lord, we know with you there is hope. And we know that you have the final say-so. And we know, Lord, that what's impossible with man, God, everything Glory is possible with you, Lord. And God, we plead, Lord, and ask for that healing virtue power, Lord that was given to us, Lord, and we have access to 2,000 years ago to flow right now into the lives of your people, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would meet every need in the hearts of your people tonight. Lord, I know some of us are heavy-hearted. Lord, we carry burdens with us, but you have told us in your word as a command to cast all of our care upon you, and Lord, because you care for us. And so, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, let us cast our burdens on you. Let us cast our cares upon you, Lord, Leave them at the foot of the cross where they belong, God, knowing that you and you alone, Lord, are able to meet the need, Lord. And God, let us leave it there, Lord, at your feet, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to teach your word tonight. Lord, we just ask that, God, you would anoint us one more time. Lord, help us to rightly divide the word as we greatly depend upon you, Lord, to teach your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that not only you would anoint us, Lord, and help us to teach, but God, anoint the hearts of each 
each and every one that is listening, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, toil up the soul in their heart even now. Lord, I pray let something be said tonight, Lord, that God would manifest within the hearts. Lord, that would be a great and tremendous help to them as they journey with you, Lord. And God, I pray for those that are wondering, those that are questioning, those that don't have answers. Lord, lead them by this broadcast right now and let something be said, Lord, that will be a tremendous help to them. And we'll forever give you praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen, amen. and amen. So we're going to continue our study tonight on the uh, topic of victory over sin. And of course, and I've said it last week and I've said it multiple weeks that, that and seeking the Lord for our Wednesday night Bible study. And that's exactly what it is. It is a Bible study. Uh, the Lord would have me to deal with justification by faith in which we spent four weeks on. And then we went into the sin nature. Uh, and we spent five weeks on the sin nature as it is very important and vital to each and every uh, born-again believer to understand the sin nature, to know where the sin nature originates from, uh, to know how the sin nature is operative in our lives and how it is uh, uh, dismembered, if you will, how it's rendered powerless now that we have said yes to Jesus Christ. Amen. So before we can ever have victory over the sin nature, we've got to first identify and know how the sin nature works and, and what caused the sin nature and how it was defeated. So last week we started uh, with victory over sin and we're going to continue with that. So reading in Romans chapter 6 verses 5 through 9, Paul will say, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he who is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. The greatest thing to the child of God and the greatest knowledge that the child of God could have is always of what Christ did at Calvary's cross. In the day and hour that we're living in, and much in the church world, and especially with us Pentecostals, we seem to run after signs. We seem to run after wonders. We seem to desire the gifts, and, and those things are wonderful. And, but we need to be reminded that he said they will follow them who believe. And if we'll place our faith in Christ and what he's done, we are assured that the signs and the wonders, the, the gifts of the Spirit, the miracles, all of these things will take place. But the most important thing to the child of God is to know how to live a victorious life. Amen. I mean, I know that, that we, we, we should ask the Lord for healing and we should believe the Lord for healing. But the greatest thing that could come to the child of God is an understanding of how one walks and how one lives in victory. And I know that we like to fool ourselves, and I know that there are many within, within that are servants of the Lord, that are believers in the Lord, and we think that we've got everything together. But the truth of it is, is that many believers, many Christians, many blood-bought ch children of God are walking underneath the dominion of sin. There is usually a, a, there is a problem that is prevalent in the life of the born-again believer that we don't understand how to get victory over. Amen? There is a desire to serve the Lord. And the reason why the desire is there is because we have said yes to Jesus Christ. We've asked him to come into our hearts. We've asked him to forgive us of all of our sins. He has 
disconnected us from that sin nature that we once had a relationship to, that once bent us to do evil, that once kept us out of the, the, uh, of the will of God. We know that it, it kept us on that path to sin, but Jesus come by our way, amen. He found us when we yes, went looking for him, just like he showed up there for the Samaritan woman at the well. She was coming to the well, doing her same thing day in and day out, and Jesus was there, said, if you keep drinking of this water, you're going to thirst, but if you'll drink of the water that I give you, the living water, you shall never thirst again. And we know that that represents salvation. And we know the woman said, give me this water. She drank and left her water pot. She wasn't going to need it no more. Ran back to the city and ended up causing thousands to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that desire, once we got saved, to continue in that life of sin was stripped away. Amen. The desire has gone to continue to live a habitual right. life of sin. Yeah. To those that would say, uh, or to, to those that we know that say they're saved, they claim Christianity, but yet they continue in that same lifestyle of habitual sin day in and day out. We have to, we have, the Bible says, you know, the tree by the fruit. And so therefore, I have to assume that you've really not accepted Jesus because to accept Jesus and to accept him means that you repent of what he is doing to, to, to repent of your, your sins and the way you live means that you're turning your back on the world and now you're following Jesus, amen? And I can promise you that if you're following Jesus Christ, he's not going to leave you, lead you on a life of sin, on a path of sin. No, you've turned your back on that former lifestyle. You've turned your back on that sin that you once dwelt in and now you said, I'm marching on. I'm pressing towards the prize right. of the mark of the high calling and it's in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we know that ain't none of us perfect. We know that the Bible doesn't teach sinless perfection. And we know it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when we fail because fail you and I are going to do because we're not perfect. None of us have arrived. But that is a big difference than living in a life of sin underneath domination of sin and I can tell you that to the believer the difference between the believer and the sinner is the sinner loves their sin the believer hates their sin they hate what they're struggling with right and that's the difference between a believer and a sinner. A sinner don't care about their sin. They love their sin. They may claim Jesus all they want to, but it does not matter what you claim. It's what's inside of the heart because that's what he's looking at. He's not worried about the words that comes out of your mouth. He's worried about what's in your heart. And we may fool man, and we may know how to talk the talk and say the right things. Hey, I grew up in church all of my life. I knew how to talk the lingo. I knew how to walk the walk around certain people. I knew how to uh, fool people making them think I had it all together that I was loving the Lord and serving the Lord but deep inside I was wretched, miserable and blind because there was no relationship. All that other stuff was religion, outer stuff but boy when he got a hold of me he saved me, yeah. he cleansed me of all of my Thank sin you. and a relationship then formed with Jesus Christ. Amen. See that's the difference with Christianity and the other religions of the world the other religions is nothing about but works and law where as Christianity, true Christianity is a relationship Amen. with Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, Paul here lays out to us in chapter 6 how the believer is to live and order his life. And we find that Paul is addressing believers on how to have victory over the sin nature in their everyday walk. Now hear me, every day walk, we are to live in victory. 
And the reality of it is, is that positionally speaking, and going back to how we taught on justification by faith, in Christ you are victorious. Well, you may say, well, I've got a problem. There's a, a sin that I'm struggling with, whether it be nicotine, alcohol, drugs, pornography, uh, bad temper, uncontrollable temper, greed, gambling, malice, strife, unforgiveness, bitterness, and the list goes on and on and on and on. There's a thousand, a million, one things that it could be. But the Lord, because we're in Christ, he's saying you're already victorious. You may be struggling, but thank God he sees you as victorious. Because if he's yeah. seen the sin, we don't stand a chance, amen? But what he sees is the blood of Jesus Christ. But we know that, yes, we're covered. We know that we're living in the dispensation of grace. But while we're walking here in this world, and we know God has saved us from sin, not in sin to continue, but from the sin nature, from that relationship to it, he now desires for us to walk in the victory that he's died to give. He has died to give us abundant life. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. Everything that you need, I have already provided. And when we're talking about victory over the sin nature, he's given to us what we need. And it's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's nowhere else. And we in the church for far too long have searched out other avenues to find what we can do. That's the operative word. What we can do to achieve victory over sin. And, the, and what the Lord's telling us here, what Paul's telling us is saying, you don't have to do anything. It's already been won for you. Do we understand that when Christ said it is finished, he meant what he said. It is finished. The last time I checked the definition of finished means done, complete. Nothing else has to be done. So when we're talking about living in victory and we're talking about how to get victory over the sin nature, we've got to understand that that finished work has already accomplished our victory. It's already won our victory. When he said it's finished, that means I've purchased, I've bought, I've won everything back for you that you need. So when we set out to try to achieve or set out to try to find victory, we're abrogating the finished work of Calvary. We are in essence saying what Jesus Christ did at the cross is not enough for what I need. Now, either we believe that the blood of Jesus is enough or else it's not enough. And we know and we say it, yes, the blood is enough. But yet when it comes to finding and, and getting victory over sin, we don't put our faith where it's supposed to be, where our victory was won. We place our faith in the only other place where it can be, and really that reality is self. What can self do to try to get victory? What can I do? And that's why you see all the fads. That's why you see all the programs. That's why you see all the things that denominations have headed up and churches have on Monday night. Celebrate recovery for this. Let's fast seven days for this. And we tell people within the church, born again believers, hey, if you'll come to this program, if you'll do this, then you will get and the last time I checked, God don't know nobody anything. Right. We can't merit anything from the Lord. It is received by faith 
through it's by, it's by his glorious grace and we receive it by faith the channel for which we yeah, receive what it is that God. we need thank is faith God. for grace to flow and when we move ourselves out from underneath that flow it's not that we've lost grace because you can't lose grace when you're in Christ you maintain the position of grace but the problem is is we frustrate the grace now, we all know what the word frustration means, aggravated. You know, our kids can frustrate us. Our employees on our job can frustrate us because they, won't, they don't understand. They just won't do it the right way. And that's what we do to the Holy Spirit. We frustrate him because we won't go God's way. We won't keep our faith in Christ to what he's done. We move our faith over to something else. We start looking to another cistern, if you will, another way, another avenue to receive from the Lord what we need. And you'll never get it because it flows through one channel and one channel only, and that is through and by the cross of Christ. That is why Paul said, I declare to know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified. Amen. Because that's your answer. That's the answer for the sinner. That's the answer for the child of God. It is Christ and him crucified. But for far too long, we look to the cross for salvation, but we don't look to the cross for anything else. Well, I need to get this from the Lord, so I've got to set out to do something. Without faith, it is impossible, impossible, impossible to please God. You can fast till you get so skinny you can be pulled through the keyhole. You won't get one thing from the Lord. And fasting is scriptural. And it will bless you. Yes, if it's done in the right manner. Reading your Bible will bless you. Absolutely. Praying will bless you tremendously. And it should be done. But if we're looking to the Word of God in our reading as a means to achieve victory over sin, if we're looking at praying to the Lord as a means to achieve and uh, receive victory, if we tithe and we look at that as a means, which we should be doing, and that we to receive a victory, we're placing our faith in works. See, those are works. And then we've just turned it into works righteousness. If righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Right. If you could receive victory by the reading of your word, if you can receive victory by fasting, if you can receive victory by going to a program, if you can receive victory by, by writing your sins on a piece of paper and ripping them up and tossing them over your head, and there are churches that preach that, there are denominations that are teaching that, or write them on a piece of paper, all of your sins, throw them in the fire and they'll go away. That's law. And if the, your victory, your righteousness comes from all of that, then guess what? Paul said Christ has died for nothing. Then we are saying, God, your sacrifice, your provision was not enough. Now, do we realize what, what we're saying there? We're saying, in essence, God, you didn't do enough. John said, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Who taketh away? Jesus. He takes it away. So why are we looking at something else to take our sin away? Man. 
I'm talking about Christians here. We're looking to something else to take our problem away when John the Baptist, the last prophet there before Jesus, the greatest, said, Behold the Lamb of God, the sacrifice that takes away atone. It's the sin is gone. He came to do a work that no other man could do, that the sacrificial system could not do. But he, with one drop of his precious blood, took all of the sin away. And that's where our victory's at. It's not in anything else. It's in Christ and Christ alone. But we want to attach works with the cross and say, you've got to do this in order to achieve victory. When I was growing up, it was you got to read more, you got to pray more, you got to go to church more. And then we find that we're doing all of these things. And well, then how many chapters must I read then to get victory? How much should I pray then? How many times do I have to go to church or how long do I have to, or how late? You need to shout a little louder. Shout your way to victory. You can shout all day long until you get laryngitis and not get victory. Right. Because your victory is not in a shout. And us Pentecostals, listen, I'm Pentecostal. I believe in worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord. I don't believe in a dead salvation because when we get to heaven, we sure ain't going to be standing around going, well, bless you, Jesus. Your hands is going to be lifted up. You may not lift them up now, but you're going to lift them up one day if you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. And we're going to worship him holy, holy, holy. But again, right now, shout, run yourself around, let every bobby pin fly off your hair. And you won't get victory that way. The problem will still be there because you're looking to something else other than where it was handled. The sin problem was handled at the cross. And that's why Paul here is opening up the cross to the believer. This is the new covenant. So important here, this chapter 6 of what we've got because of Calvary. That is why it is a better covenant based off of better promises. Listen, we've got a better covenant. Thank God for the new covenant. Jesus is the new covenant, amen? And I'm so glad I'm not underneath law. I'm so glad I don't have to offer up a sacrifice on a continual basis at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And I have to travel to the temple and I've got to do this. No, when I say Father in the name of Jesus, boom, done. Thank you, Jesus. Because Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus did it all. And with our faith in Christ and what he's done, you've now got access into the very throne room of grace. Because that's the only way a man can get to the Father. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. But we're trying to come to God with our works and say, Lord, here is this. It's that spirit of Cain. Here it is, Lord. This is what I'm offering you. Now, surely you will give to me what I want. And God does not owe you anything. God will never be in debt to any man. He's already given to us, and that's what he wants us to know. His children that he loves so much has accepted his love that is now in Christ. He wants you to know it's so vital that you know this, that in Christ you are free. But the reason why we don't see freedom is because we're not looking solely to Christ. And we'll get honest with ourselves, and we know, hey, listen, y'all don't need to know your dirty laundry, you don't need to know mine. But if we'll get honest with ourselves, the problems that we're facing in life as far as the means of sin, and Larry, again, it's not just the things that you can see, it's the heart, things that's within the heart, too, that nobody else can see. 
And the struggle that is there, whether it be doubt, fear, let me tell you, the list goes on and on and on. But you can have victory over it by looking to him. And we have to look to him on a daily basis. Because let me tell you, you to walk in victory every day means you've got to deny yourself every day. Right. You've got to say, Lord, I can't do this. Right. You can help me. Yes, Jesus. And when you deny yourself and you're denying and saying, I can't, Lord, I can't. And I'm coming to you with my sin. See, that's the problem. We don't want to bring our sin before the Lord. And we think we can push it up underneath the rug and think the Lord won't see it and that enough of our good works that he'll turn a blind eye to it. We need to be honest with the Lord because he already knows it anyway. Come before him. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to slap you in the face. He's not going to kick you out, say, you've done failed too many times. Come yeah. unto me. I want to give you rest from this problem. You've got to come to me with it, though. Quit lying to yourself. Quit lying to me. Bring the problem to me. Give it to him. Well, it's pretty bad. You don't know that. I don't need to know about it. Give it to him. He died for it. Bring it to the foot of the cross where it was defeated. Because it wasn't defeated anywhere else but at the foot of the cross. He made an open show of the devil. He made an open yeah. show of every power of darkness Hallelujah. that day on Calvary. That's why they did not want him Ooh. going to Calvary. Satan didn't want him going to the cross because he knew that's where he would be defeated. Because he was a spotless sacrifice. He knew that he was going to lose the grip of sin that he held over humanity. He knew he would. And there Jesus bled and died and took upon all of the sin of the world. He atoned for every sin. If he had not atoned for just one sin, the sacrifice would have been no good. But let me tell you, my friend, he atoned for every one of them. Well, how do you know? Because he got up three days later. Amen. He told Joseph, hey, I need to borrow your tomb, but not for long, just for a couple of days. Because on the third day, I'm coming up out of that grave, and you can have it back. Glory. And when he came up, my God, you and I, Glory. that represents now that you and I are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. That old relationship, it's gone, it's dead, it's in the tomb. Now a new man has resurrected. I said it the other day on Facebook. I wrote a page. I've not been resuscitated. I've been resurrected. Resuscitated means something that's died and keeps coming back. No, no. I have been resurrected. I mean, I died. I'm dead. I was resurrected in newness of life. The same power that brought Jesus up out of that grave is the same power, the Holy Spirit, that now lives inside of you that has quickened your mortal bodies so that now you can live in victory. Victory. That's the desire of every blood-bought child of God. Every child of God desires to walk in victory. If you don't, you're not saved. If I could get up tomorrow and never sin again a day in my life, praise be to God, I wish it could be. Right. And we're not going to live a sinless life. I'm sorry, we're not. But you don't have to live in bondage to sin. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live bound by the bottle. You don't have to live bound by drugs. You don't have to live a child of God. I ain't talking just about the unbeliever. I'm talking about the believer because we know that when we got saved, a lot of things came off of us. But we know those clinging binds of the fall 
There's some that are still there, leeching on us, trying to suck the life out of us. Right. And those things we can't understand sometimes. Well, why didn't that drop off? My cussing dropped off, but I can't quit smoking. My smoking dropped off, but I still got a bad temper. See, we think it's on smoking, but yet we got many people that don't smoke, don't drink, but go home and, and, and talk awful to their family. You see, this runs in many different ways, but we can have victory over that. We can have victory over the devil, over the world, and over the flesh now because we are in Christ. But the problem is, is we don't live our lives in Christ. We hold on to him, but we still are trying to live this life on our own. We're doing too much living. Paul said, I am crucified with you died that day. You no longer are in control of your life. I'm no longer in control of my life. My life is not my own. To him, I belong. You belong to him. He's now in control. But the problem is, he wants to be the pilot of your life. He wants you to get in the back seat, right. buckle up your seatbelt. The ride's going to get bumpy a couple of times, but if you'll trust me, I'm going to get you to the destination. Right. The problem is, we want to hop in into our passenger yeah. seat and try and say, well, let me hop up here. Uh-uh. We'll be too easy to try to grab onto the stairwell. Right. Get in the back seat and let him do what only he can do. And he will take you down that life of abundant life of victory. But the moment that you try to hop up there, fine, you have it. But you're going to make a mess out of everything. Because we can't do it. If we could, he died for nothing. Amen. Alright, so again, John 8, 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Thank Jesus Christ you. don't do any half jobs. Right. He didn't save you halfway. He didn't save me halfway. He saved me all the way. Amen. He took away all of my sins. He didn't take away any percent of them. He didn't take away 90% of them. He didn't take away 99.9% .9 of them. He took them all away. All my sins are gone. They're up underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it takes the blood. Because only the blood can save a man and set him free. But there are many today that have been set free. They've been set free. But they're not walking in the freedom from the sin nature because they don't understand fully what took place for them at Calvary. Why? Because most of the time we're not sitting up underneath preaching and teaching that is teaching us and pointing us back to Christ. But instead we're being given bullet points of what we must do to be more like him. What we must do to get victory. Right, let me give you ten things. Let me give you four things. My friend, that's law. There ain't but one thing that Christ requires out of you, and that is your faith. Exclusively in him. And if we get honest with ourselves and we really evaluate ourselves, where is our faith truly at? Paul said, examine yourselves to see if you be of the faith. Is it truly resting in Christ? And we are to check ourselves every day. Lord, my faith is in you and what you did at Calvary. I don't look to myself today. I need your help for this day. I need your help from this bondage. And I'm coming to you with it because it's too powerful for me. But I know it ain't too powerful for you because you already defeated it. See, let me tell you, with your problem, you're taking it to a man that can't just handle it, but has already handled it. He's already handled it. Do we get this tonight? Do we believe this tonight? He's already handled the problem. 
But when you are out trying to do it yourself, you're saying, no, it's not been handled. Let me pick up my weapons. And they may even be good Christian disciplines, but let me pick them up and let me fight this thing. Might I remind you that Paul told us to fight the what? Good fight of faith. That's the only fight that you should be fighting. The faith. To keep your faith in Christ and what he's done at Calvary. Paul also said anything that is not of the faith, it is sin. Well, what is our faith? Christ and him crucified. Anything that is not centered up in Christ and what he's done, it is sin. So does that mean that God will look at me, read in my Bible, if I place my faith in and try to get victory, sin? Yes. That blows our mind. They said there's no way. If your faith and what you're trying to achieve from the Lord, and you're doing it by thinking, if I read six chapters today, or if I'll pray an extra 15 minutes today, I'll get it. God constitutes that as sin because anything that is not of faith is sin. That's the word of God. Anything that is not of faith, it is sin. That means if it's not pointed back to Christ, if I'm not looking to him for whatever it is that I need, and I'm looking to something else, it is sin. No matter how godly and how wonderful that things that we should do, no matter what it is, it's viewed as a sin because you're placing your faith in law. You're making a law out of that. And that's what we do. We can turn reading our word into a law, going to church into a law. Let me tell you, my friend, if your salvation and your victory is wrapped up and, and ceases because you don't read the word or because you quit, don't go to church three times a week, then you don't have much to begin with. The just shall live by what? Faith. Not by law, not by works. You're to live your life every day by faith. Faith. Christ has done a completed work. It's finished. Glory. Hallelujah. I don't have to do anything else. It's already been done. I'm resting in what he's done. And I promise that I'm going to receive the help of the Holy Spirit for whatever it is, whatever it is that I need. And the victory that I need over this bondage of sin, he is going to bring to me the victory because he won it. The victory is his. And guess what? It's yours today. You don't have to walk around another minute underneath the bondage of sin. People may say, well, I have to wait till Sunday. No, tonight. Tonight. See, you've already been set free at Calvary, but the question is, do you want to be made free? You were set free at Calvary the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ. You were set free. Every chain came off. Every shackle came off. Every bit of bondage came off. It was all free. That's why you felt that load lifted off of you. And then the next day you find, uh-oh, where did this come from? That ugly sin nature rises up and we find ourselves not acting so holy. We messed up. I don't understand why. I just give my heart to Jesus Christ. This is the greatest feeling. And then here I am. The flesh rises up. That's the same nature. But it can be subdued. And it should lay dormant in our life if we're looking to Christ and what he's done at Calvary. But the problem is, is we get saved, we've got a problem, and then we go straight into what can I do to fix it. What can I do to defeat this? And we go straight into works. What can I do? And that right there is where we mess up. We go to another person. This is my problem. And there's where we really mess up. You don't need to take it to another man. Take it to Jesus. 
Because man will judge you. He won't. And then we're given law. Most of the time is our answer. But let me tell you, you come to this church, you ask me, I'm going to point you back to Calvary. I'm going to point you back to Jesus. I'm going to point you to the source of your strength, of where your victory is, where your deliverance is. It's in Christ. It's nowhere else. Only in him. Amen. Amen. When one comes to know the truth, and let me remind you that truth isn't a philosophy. It's not an intellectual thought of man. But truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He's the only 100% pure truth that there is. The word of God is truth. TV, media is not truth. They're lies. This is truth. Amen. So when we talk about Christ setting a man free, he setting himself free from the evil bent that is in him. You think of it like this. It's like if a person in their body ends up having a tumor. And then they do a biopsy on it and they find out that it's malignant. If that tumor is not eventually removed, that malignancy, the infection, the disease is going to spread to other areas of the body and will eventually do what? Brain death. You have the sin of the disease of sin. Spiritually speaking, like a tumor. But when you said yes to Jesus Christ, he came in, performed surgery on you, yes. and removed that malignant tumor out of you. Thank you, Jesus. So that it couldn't spread disease, so that it couldn't affect you anymore. He performed that the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ. Because unless it's destroyed, and the only way that it is, is through the finished work. But here's the thing that we've got to understand. When Christ sets us free, we're totally free. But he leaves the sin nature in us for disciplinary action. The sin nature is still in me. It's still in you. Well, how do you know? Let somebody pull out in front of you and you'll find out how quick it's in you. Let somebody get on your nerves and find out how quick it's in you. We don't always act real holy. I, again, ain't none of us walking Jesus's. If you say that you are, you need to get to the altars and repent because you just told a big lie. But it don't have to have dominion over us. He left it in us and it is to be dormant. And it is to be in the position of dormancy. It, you and it have traded places. It is now within the jail cells, spiritually speaking. And the divine nature is upon the throne. But the moment that you quit looking to the Lord for what it is that you need, you just open the cage up to the sin nature to wreak havoc over your life. Because you're not looking to what defeated it. So you're giving the sin nature the latitude to wreak havoc. But when you look to Christ and what he's done, you're given the Holy Spirit latitude to make sure you walk in victory. Amen. So you're given latitude and liberty to one or the other, either the Holy Spirit or the sin nature. And if we're not looking to Christ, you're given latitude to the sin nature to cause us you problems. But if we look to Christ, we're given the latitude to the Holy Spirit to see that we walk in perpetual victory each and every single day. Sin shall not have dominion over you. The sin nature shall not have dominion. What does that word dominion mean? Lordship, control. It shall not, Paul said, have control over you. How can you say that? You've been set free. 
because you're in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. But the problem is too many believers' identity is wrapped up in a church and the denomination. Well, I'm Church of God. I'm Baptist. I'm Pentecostal. I'm Presbyterian. Listen, none of that. Listen, the Baptist denomination didn't die for you. Right. Church of God didn't die for you. Presbyterian faith didn't die for you. No preacher died for you. No TV evangelist died for you. Your faith cannot be in any of those things. They can't help you. Jesus died for you. Amen. He's the only one that can help you. Because he paid the ultimate price. Amen. So Paul lets us know in chapter 6, within the first four verses, that it is mechanically impossible to continue in the same relationship with the sin nature now that one is in Christ. And furthermore, grace should never be viewed as a license to continue in sin, but rather grace should be viewed as, as a, to live a life free from sin. He goes on to tell us that the answer for the sin problem we hear in verse 4, as we talked about it last week, was baptism into Christ, which is the cross. And it says that we are also buried with him, meaning that our old man was buried with him as well. Do you hear me? When he talks about baptism into Christ, he's talking about the cross. Right there, he goes right into it. The answer for your problem of sin is the cross. Your, the answer for alcohol, the cross. The answer for drugs, the cross. The answer for gossip, the cross. The answer for temporal, cross. The answer for, for this is the cross. Right. Gambling, the cross. Everything, the answer is the cross. It's no other answer. The answer for which you're seeking is found in the cross. He's the solution. But yet we're turning to self and what self can do. And guess who the problem is? Self. You're the problem. I'm the problem. So how can the problem turn right around then and be the solution? If we identify self as the problem, then how do we turn it right around and look to the problem for the solution? It doesn't make sense. You're the problem. The problem can't be the solution. Jesus and what he did at Calvary is the solution. Amen. It's your answer. It's my answer for sin. Amen. So remember Christ's resurrection permanently delivered us from the power of the sin nature and now his resurrection power flows through you you see he quickened you from your former lifestyle that was fashioned after the world and now has raised us up together he didn't stay in the tomb he got up and that means you got up with him. Amen. In verse 5, we'll get to verse 5. It says, He lets us know since you have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, when we hear this about being planted together, it's almost like if you was to go out there and plant some beans and, and some corns. If you plant them together, then guess what? They're going to come up together. Amen. You were planted together in the bath in the death of Christ. You were planted together. Together meaning as one. So when you said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes you, the believing sinner, and baptized you, placed you literally into the death of Christ. So when he died there on the cross, guess what? The old man died there on the cross too. Why? Because the penalty had to be served. But Christ took the penalty so you and I didn't have to bear the penalty. And let me just say one thing. When we talk about he took my place, listen, you could have died a thousand times on a thousand crosses and still died with the hell. Do we realize that? 
You could have died a thousand times on a thousand crosses and still died and went to hell because why? You were not a perfect sacrifice. His death is where our faith is at. Why? Because he was a perfect sacrifice. If Jesus had ever sinned just one time, his death would have been in vain. But he never sinned in thought, deed, word, nothing. He was perfect in every sense. You and I are not perfect. So there, we deserve to be on the cross. Just as the two thieves were there upon the cross, they deserved to be there. And had the one not have turned around and said, Lord, remember me, he would have died and went to hell. Well, well, well he suffered a tormentuous death. It don't matter. He was sinful. But right there moments before his last breath, he said, remember me. And Jesus yes. said, today you will be with Hallelujah. me in paradise. Why? Because he took away all of his sin. Amen. So Paul in this text was not referring to eventual bodily resurrection, but rather having a resurrected life here now on earth. So we look at this passage of scripture, and when we talk about the likeness of his resurrection, our minds automatically go to the rapture. And don't get me wrong, you are going to be raptured. If you're in Christ, if he should come back tonight... And you said, yes, you're going up out of here, amen? You're going up. But what Paul is talking about is that you can have resurrected life right here, right now. Resurrected life today. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be free. He took the power of sin away at Calvary. You were saved from the penalty of sin, and you've been saved from the power of sin. And praise be to God, one day you're going to get the final installment and be saved from the presence of sin. Why? Yeah. Because this old fleshly body ain't going up. I'm getting a glorified body that don't know the sin nature because it's of the Spirit. Right now, you and I have just got the first fruits, but we're getting ready to get the full installment one day very soon. But right now, you can have abundant life because the presence, I mean, the power of sin has been taken away. The very power of it has been taken away, disconnected, and you're now connected up to a new source of power. It's called the Holy Spirit. But when we take our faith away from Christ and what he's done, when we quit looking to the cross every day for our strength, when we quit looking to the cross for our victory, then we disconnect ourselves from the power source that you and I need to be able to walk in victory, and we just plug right back up to the sin nature, and that's why we see problems. And we all go through that avenue of trying to defeat it ourselves, and all we find is failure, failure, failure. And we'll ask for forgiveness and we'll get hooked back up to the Holy Spirit, the power source that's there. Let me just say this. When I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm afraid that we look at it as if we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then that's when we'll have freedom. Can I tell you tonight that you can be saved and not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and walking in victory versus a person that is saved and got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and not walking in victory. Your victory is not in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Lord baptized me in the Holy Spirit some six years ago. And thanks be to God. But guess what? It don't make me better than the next person. It just makes me a better me. Amen. I need that source of strength. I need that power to do service for the Lord. I need that anointing and that bonus that only comes from him. But when it comes to your victory, your victory is not in the baptism. Your victory is in the cross. See, we Pentecostals think, well, if I'll get baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I'll be victorious. 
Well, if I'll pray in tongues half a day, you can pray in all the tongues and in all the languages you want to, and it will not bring you victory. I pray in tongues every day. It edifies my spirit, man. But that's not where my faith is at. My victory is not in that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not what brings us victory. Your victory was won at Calvary. But we Pentecostals, they got it mixed up. Well, if I'll shout louder, if I'll speak in tongues more, you'll never be victorious because you've just turned that into a law and thinking that it is there. If I do these things, I will achieve. So what, if that is the case, then what does that say about the person that's not spirit-filled? They'll never have victory. That would mean God's got respect to persons, and my friend, it's not. What he did there at the cross was for the entirety of the world. That whosoever will shall come to him, shall not perish, but receive everlasting life, and have abundant life at that. Amen. Today we can have victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. So again, when you died with him, you died to, his, to the control and rule of the sin nature. And as he came up, you came up. And now you have been resurrected with him, which means you're going to resemble him. We got to remember that we have been resurrected. You're going to resemble him. What do I mean by that? Your life now is going to emulate the life of Christ. Or it should if we're truly saved. Amen. A lot of things have changed. But what he wants to do is continuously transform us into his image. Resurrected life. The freedom from the power of the sin nature. My God, that's joy unspeakable and full of glory, man. Well, how did you get it? I didn't do it. Christ did it for me. I've got a family member that was bound by cigarettes for 50 years. She smoked two packs a day. Two packs a day. And she had given her heart to the Lord, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago, but still had that bondage of cigarettes. But was she saved? Yes, yeah, she was saved. Why? Because she said yes to Jesus. Her faith was in Christ and what he done. She hated the sin. She hated it. And she asked for forgiveness. She wanted freedom from that. And she found herself doing what all of us have done and tried to give them up on her own. She tried to do it and even got herself down to where she was just smoking, I believe, five a day. And see, she was placing her faith in her own performance. She didn't understand or she understood that victory was hers, but yet she was still trying to do it within herself. Do you understand that? We can hear this message all day long, but it takes a while to get that religious mindset out of us because that religious mindset that's been poured into us for years has said, you got to do, you got to do, you can do. No, you can't. And then one day, she realized, I can't do this, Lord. I'm laying this down at your feet. I'm nailing this cigarette bondage to the cross. I'm nailing it to the cross where it was defeated. And let me tell you, she, a woman that went from 50 years smoking two packs a day, boom, like that, the Holy Spirit took it from her. And now has not smoked one cigarette in over five years. Well, guess what? Well, did she go through withdrawals? No. Not only did he take the cigarettes away, but he took the desire away. See, that's true freedom when the Amen. desire for the sin is not even there. There are some people that make it stop something, but yet they are ruled and struggle with that desire to do it every day. Why? Because they're looking to themselves. They're not placing it where it belongs at the cross. 
Well, what if I fail the Lord? What if I mess up? Get up, take it back to the cross. Ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, I know that, your vic that my victory was purchased at the cross. And if you don't quit, God won't quit. What do I mean by that? If you don't quit believing and you don't quit trusting in Christ and what he's done, keep going back to the cross. I don't care. Listen, the cross works. It's you and I who don't work. Right. The cross always works. So even though you fail, go back to the cross. And if you don't quit, I promise you, with everything within me, victory will come to you. All of a sudden, you'll realize that you've not done that thing. All of a sudden, you'll see the transformation. You'll see the change. And you'll realize that the desire for those things aren't even there anymore. And that, my friend, is victory. And that, my there, is abundant life that we can have tonight. Amen. Tonight. So let me say this to you that are watching, by the way, I'm online right now as I feel prompted to stop here at 8 o'clock. You don't have to live a life in sin anymore. And I believe that there are some of you that have been watching and you're struggling with sin. You love Lord with everything that is within you, but yet you're struggling with something in your life and you have tried to obtain, you have tried to achieve victory over it by doing this and by doing that. And all you're finding is failure. And so what I've said tonight is really resonated within your heart and within your spirit because you know that what I'm talking about, you have tried yourself. But tonight the Holy Spirit has spoken through me and something resonated within your heart and you know that what I'm saying is the truth. You know that what I'm saying is the answer. And it is like a heavy weight's been lifted off that I don't have to do anything. All you've got to do is nail your sin to the cross and take it to where it belongs, where it was defeated. I don't care whatever it is. It, you may say, well, you don't know what I've done. It's so such a bad sin. Take it to the cross. Take it to the cross and let his blood wash it away. Let his blood cleanse you tonight. You don't have to live another day of life in sin. You don't have to live like that anymore. You can be free tonight in Christ Jesus. Amen. You can be free tonight. You may love the Lord with all this within you. You say, I'm saved, but I'm struggling. Your freedom is found in Christ and what he's done. Turn your eyes to the cross. Turn away from everything else that you've been doing. Turn away from your works. Turn away from it all and turn to Christ and look what he has done. And my friend, you will get the greatest help that you could ever receive, the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, he's greater than any power of darkness. He's greater than your bondage. He's greater than your sin. Won't you let him take it away from you tonight? Won't you let him bring you to victory tonight? As that old song says that they used to sing, victory today is mine, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind, for victory today is mine. You don't have to be in bondage anymore, amen. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight. Thanking you for your word. Thank you. Thanking you, Lord God, for what you have done. Lord, we believe you. that your word has ministered to your people. We believe Thank that the light bulb, spiritually speaking, has went off. And we believe that tonight there has been a true manifestation of your spirit. And Lord, the answers for which people were seeking for has been found. And Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, the deliverance and the victory that they need over whatever the bondage is, Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, they would receive it, God. Lord, I pray that they would get it up underneath the blood of Jesus. 
look to you and you alone. And tomorrow when they get up, look to you and you alone again. And the next day, Lord, that they would trust in what you did at Calvary. Because, Lord, it was there that every sin was defeated. It was there that every power of darkness was defeated. Lord, it was there that you made an open show of them, Lord. And it is there where we are victorious, Lord. God, we thank you for what you did for us at Calvary. And Lord, I pray, I pray let your people walk in victory tonight. Let them see that they've got victory in you and in you alone, Lord. Lord, I pray for that one that may be lost, that one that does not know you. Lord, let them know tonight that tonight is the night that they can come home to you. That by just simply believing in what you did at Calvary, Lord, that you can clean them up. Lord, the prodigal son, all he had to do was turn back to you. And the father ran to him. Let them know tonight, Lord, that you desire for them to turn back to you and that no matter what's been done, Lord, you stand ready to forgive them, ready to hug them, ready to kiss them, and ready to kill the fattest calf. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you tonight for what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We thank you for joining with us tonight. We didn't get to get through all the way, but the Lord knew what needed to be said, and the Holy Spirit took control, which is what we prayed and believed for. So we'll, we'll pick back up. Remember our Sunday morning and Sunday evening service this week at 1030 and 6 p.m. Our sanctuary is open. We have plenty of seats for us to be able to maintain the safe social distancing. We have a sanitizer. Please come and be with us. I know that many of you have joined online, but if there is any way possible, be with us in the service. It is a it will be tremendous help to you to Amen. worship together with your brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ. I know it's good in your home, and I know the presence of the Lord's there. But let me tell you, it's even better when you're with your brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ. Amen. So be with us at ten thirty Sunday morning and at six p.m. Sunday evening. If you just joined on here or maybe halfway through, share this video and uh, so that the word can go forth. We love you. We're here for you. We pray for each and every one of you day in and day out. If there's anything you need at all, don't hesitate to reach out to us and we'll do what we can to help you. In Jesus' name, we'll see you the next time. Be blessed.